Hello, this is Richard Wilson, and welcome to the Family Office Club. We've got a investor mandate interview this morning with Brett from New York City. Welcome, Brett. Thanks, Thanks for being for here. Having me. Sure, sure. And uh, why don't you first uh, share what type of investment perspective you have, your day-to-day, you know, work with investing. Um, just kind of introduce yourself a bit. Yep. So, um, again, my name is Brett Martin. I'm a adjunct professor at Columbia Business School, and I run a venture capital fund called Charge Ventures. Um, Charge is a New York-based, New York-focused pre-seed and C-stage venture capital fund. And uh, yeah, you know, we generally invest in sort of capital-efficient, tech-enabled businesses attacking sort of large, uh, old economy markets. And uh, we'd like to be usually the, you know, the first investor in, a, in companies, so first capital in the earliest stage. Um, and yes, it's a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. If, uh, if you're watching this like nine months from now, it's during the virus crisis. Uh, I'm, uh, so everything's kind of shut down, everyone's stuck in their homes. So I appreciate you doing this recording for us. Um, in terms of getting more specific on the investment mandate, since there's a lot of people investing in early stage tech companies, what are the one to three verticals or areas that you're most focused on or what's the number one thing you'd really like to be sourcing just to kind of narrow it down a bit more? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think the sort of coronavirus and the current trends really are just accelerating a lot of the trends that we've already been focused on. So, you know, we've always been focused on direct-to-consumer healthcare and remote diagnostics. Um, I used to work in healthcare services on Wall Street, so just tech-enabling that whole industry, have several investments there, Parsley Health, Simple Health, Juno DX. Um, the future of work and remote work is another sort of hot topic today, but you know that's been a trend we've been focusing on, investors in electric AI, clay, transfix. Um, and then, you know, finally, uh, AI, data, decentralized systems. I teach data science at Columbia. So we've been big investors in uh, companies like this, LivePeer, Bison Trails, Motion. Um, And I would say one thing that's been something we've been thinking about but is really accelerated is um, sort of tech-enabled faith, uh, sort of technology that, uh, uh, you know, facilitates people's faith. Um, you know, some interesting sort of research we, we, we've looked at is like 90% of Americans turn to faith after 9-11. Um, there's a, you know, 9x increase in religiosity in areas that have been struck by natural disasters. And so a lot of sort of loose ties to faith become strong during times of adversity. So we think that's a pretty interesting market uh, for technology investors to look in because it's often overlooked by folks like myself. Yeah, I've never heard anyone mention that before in, in 13 years. So I think that is a pretty novel idea. Uh, I know one or two people that use their positions at universities to kind of help source ideas and, you know, be more in the line of a uh, new research or IP coming out. So how much has it helped you being associated with Columbia in terms of, um, you know, is that 10 or 15% of the deals you see somehow are connected through the alumni network there or come through your position or... Uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we're very fortunate that Columbia provides us with a great um, talent talent pipeline. You know, we have we always have one or two MBA engineer or MBA interns, and then because I teach data science, we have a um, a data our data scientist on our team is uh, Columbia, and I think my it happens to be that my well, my senior associate's Columbia, and then my uh, 
my venture partner and co-founder is a professor at NYU. So we have, we, ha we actually have a lot of that. And we actually, the way we leverage that is we've received a bunch of grants to do quantitative analysis on early stage startups. So there's okay. been a big trend in venture capital, kind of software's eating the world, data's eating the world, it's eating every other industry, every company we look at, we want very data-driven entrepreneurs, but VC itself has historically been a kind of good old boys network. And so we think that's going to change. It's already happening mm -hmm. in later stage private equity using way more data inputs to make decisions. And so mm -hmm. we're trying to bring that same sort of technology to early stage companies. Um, so we have a whole sort of data focused organization for both our sourcing and our evaluating startups. And we lean heavily on Columbia talent to do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. So I guess um, one thing I'm just personally curious about is that, when VCs look at opportunities, I often hear, oh, it has to have exponential potential, a great team with a track record, and needs to be able to do 100 times or 1,000 times and, you know, go big and be highly scalable. Like, I've heard enough of the pitches to know kind of the common things that are being said. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, because my clients are largely going into things that are in between angel, VC, and PE, and they're coming in the middle usually, but if they made their money in a space, they might go in super early at the same time you guys would. But uh, since everybody has great spreadsheet math, and assuming they got some decent talent on the team to go with that spreadsheet math, and everyone's promising the world, how do you really pick and choose, like what's kind of one or two things you've learned that really cuts out a lot of that noise? Yeah, you know, because we invest, so we often do, um, so we do pre-seed and seed. Uh, seed around in New York pre-crisis was a two to $5 million round into a company that already had built out a team and had traction, was doing anywhere between, you know, ten dollars to $100,000 a month in revenue. Okay. Um, you know, the, the, other, we, the other type of investing we do is pre-seed, which is, you know, a sub-million dollar round we're the first capital in, we you usually put in $200,000, $300,000, build, you know, set terms, build a syndicate. Um, okay. And so um, we, the other sort of core thing about our platform is we have data, you know, that I just explained, and then we have the network. And so one thing I think you guys really do actually uh, is like build a great network of folks to get leverage across a broad uh, set of industries and, you know, leverage the expertise in, in your network. And so we, right. um, because we have to invest so early, there's, it's, you know, it's funny, you've heard about this, like everyone's seed investing is so crowded, but really that's like only in these, you know, seed, larger seed rounds where you have a really established brand name venture mm -hmm. capital fund that's leading it, say, you know, first round capital or, uh, you know, primary ventures here in New York, but it's still hard for entrepreneurs in New York to actually get that first round of capital. So we actually end up in, having to syndicate our deals with a bunch of angels. And so the okay. way we've kind of, the way we especially evaluate things is probably similar to the way you work, which is we've built out a network of angel investors uh, that are all kind of operator angel investors in New York. Right. So CEOs, VPs of engineering, uh, VPs of product at, you know, series B, C, D companies in New York. And those are folks that are, that co-invest alongside of us. Um, and so we leverage them to do special diligence on our, on our, on our companies. And that's, okay. so I think, you know, we have, we're like a very network focused VC because actually I think the future of the industry is actually way more of these kind of like syndicated uh, models than it right. was the, you know, historical, I think you still have a fund, 
but I think, you know, you, you leverage more of a network. Yeah. 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 No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think there's two sides of it. When you have a really good network, you see so many deals that your best of the best are amazing compared to what somebody sees if they're just by themselves. And even if they hire two people that were super connected before within a year or two, their contacts grow stale because they're not always growing those and keeping them alive. And then the other thing is that, um, like we had a chain of dental clinics um, that were doing due diligence on, but we were able to identify three dentists who have sold their dental chains and they're helping us with due diligence on this. Cause it doesn't matter how many hours I spend looking at it. I didn't spend 10,000 hours running a dental clinic. Right. So I can only uh, weigh in on so much. So I think what you said on both sides is so powerful. Um, and I think that is the future of things is those types of uh, kind of loosely, loosely formalized networks that then get formalized around, you know, an opportunity uh, fluidly. You know. Yeah. VCs are networks and whether you acknowledge it or not, <laughs> it's right. not three sweet, uh, you know, white guys sitting in a boardroom making decisions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if, even if you, you can pretend it's that, but at the end of the day, they're leveraging the network to make those decisions. And so we just try to, accept that from the get-go and try to spread around the incentive. So we, you know, have a whole system where folks who bring us deals, you know, we help bring them into the fold and, and, you know, find ways for them to be compensated and the same for evaluating Mm -hmm. and, and supporting companies. Sure. Sure. Well, I'm glad we're doing this interview. I mean, this morning we had a member send in an early stage tech deal. that was really interesting and you see 10,000 of these things. You'd probably, discard it uh, relatively quickly for some reason I can't see, but uh, it did look more interesting than the average deal we get hit up with. So I'm happy to share what we see from time to time when it looks like a, an anomaly type deal or more credible than the average thing that we're getting, we're getting sent. Um, but, you know, the last question I had here for this interview was your $100,000 piece of advice. You know, what, if there's an investor listening right now, what is something that you could share that would save them in fees or headaches or time or would make them an extra hundred thousand dollars that you wish you knew maybe a decade ago? Totally. Um, so, I mean, I'm just going to give the same advice that I myself am uh, putting into practice at the moment, uh, sure. which is, you know, in this market uh, right now, you know, we're in a period of high uncertainty and, um, you know, fear. And so mm-hmm. I think everyone, you know, was understandably put on the back foot. People's lives are at risk and it's just very disorienting to have your world upside down. I mean, I've, I usually never sit in my small apartment in New York and now all of a sudden I've been here for 14 days. <laughs> right. um, but I think that, you know, I took a, the other night I got to walk, I walked out, I went outside <laughs> for the first time in a while and I had a nice crisp air and I had my first clear thinking, I would say, in a week. And I, you know, realized, okay, this two shall pass. Everyone's on the back foot. You know, how can I be aggressive and offensive right now? And so what we are doing is we are, you know, one, doubling down on our winners. So the companies that are strong, uh, you know, in our portfolio or even ones that are, you know, we're strong and are going to have a short-term disruption, you know, we're going back to all of them and saying, you know, hey, you know, how you, obviously we're talking to all our portfolio companies and, you know, making sure everyone's safe and making sure everyone's healthy first and they're sane and then right. trying to figure out how we can help. But, you know, right now is a great time to, people are very happy to take more capital. <laughs> right. 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 So, 
you know, I think if you're an investor in funds, it's a very interesting time to reach out to your investors, obviously get the update, but also say, hey, you know, which are your favorite companies and, you know, would they like some more money right now? Right. Um, you know, because I think, I don't think anyone's going to hold you up for fees at this moment. I think they're all going to be happy to get their companies, you know, additional capital. And I think right. you, you, know, you can probably get it in on a valuation that was set maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, double down on your winners. Uh, reaching out to existing portfolio companies or, you know, existing fund investments and seeing there. I think another thing you can do in times like this is you can go back and look at all the deals that you looked at and, you know, find the ones that got away. Right. Right. So there may have been some really great companies that you saw in the last year that you, you know, you tried to get into, but you didn't, or maybe you saw right before, you know, you saw right after they closed. Right. In principle applies. Great time to go back. Check in how you're doing. You know, if, if the company's been doing well, you know, maybe an interesting opportunity to to get into that company that you you didn't right. have a chance to before. Um, and then finally, you know, I would pay close attention to what the government handout that's going on right now. Right, two point two trillion dollar stimulus package. You know, that's going to go through in some shape or form in the next. A um, couple months, I think it's like everyone's fiduciary duty to go and look and see, you know, how, you know, am I entitled to some of this? And because you're paying for it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's on you to go look through the, dig through the paperwork. Your brain's going to melt, but see what you can do for yourself and for your company. And so that's we're actually right. working on those three things right now. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And that's one theme I've been hearing from uh, the smartest people I know right now is that if you have money, it's a good time to be spending it while everyone else is hoarding it because you're a rarity that you have money to spend. So if you can acquire a talent, if you can prepay your rent for seven months and get that eighth month for free by prepaying your your rent uh, lease in an office building, or if you can fill your warehouse with supplies that you know you're going to use in your business going forward, you might be able to get 33% off on the cost of those supplies. So I think that's right in line with some of the stuff that, that you're saying here. If you go and invest with somebody, they might waive the fee or make it a performance only fee, or, you know, they'll be happy to give you maybe a better valuation at this point. So I think those are all uh, really great points. And I appreciate you spending the time doing the interview with us here today. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they have a early stage tech company or a deal or some, some way to work with you directly? Absolutely. Just, Hit me up on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, Brett Charge, uh, or my email is Brett at C. So would love great. to, uh, you know, be in touch with anyone. And if there's any way I can help, let me know. It's great to chat with you this morning, Richard. Yeah, you too, Brett. Take care. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye.